it's good to be here. We need to pray for Pastor Brian and Nancy as they're celebrating uh, in Denver this weekend um, with family. So we can pray for them and others who are traveling. I know the Agbocas went as well. I know there are probably other people who are gone this morning, but my message this morning is entitled The Integrity of Eternity. The Integrity of Eternity. We've been talking about integrity in our men's group. I just love this study. Um, we do a lot of Tony Evans. And I'm almost to the point where I think we're the Tony Evans Bible study. But that man, God has gifted him. And I highly recommend, if you feel led to do so, to look him up on YouTube. In fact, I've got a couple clips I'm going to be showing here later. God has definitely used Dr. Tony Evans. And I'm very thankful for him. Uh, but the... Uh, like I said, the title of my message is The Integrity of Eternity. I'm impressed with how much eternity is written into the songs that we sing during our worship time. Uh, Jesus is coming soon. Uh, we'll be in his presence um, someday. Just different words that struck me. And I was back behind in the foyer, and I could feel goosebumps on top of my head. <laughs> Uh, Grady, do you feel goosebumps on top of your head? <laughs> I don't know if a person without hair did or not. I just thought I'd ask. But... You can even see them. I know it's time to turn off the air conditioner when I see goosebumps on my wife's arm. <laughs> We're sitting there having coffee. Um, but what is a good working definition of integrity? You know, we, talk, we know what eternity is. Eternity is the presence of God, not just... God with us and God in us, but someday we're with him, we're in his presence. Uh, but what is integrity? Well, it's interesting, I did a little research, and I think Dave is going to put a definition up here. I'm just going to read it, I guess. Integrity is the adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, honesty, the state of being whole, entire, undiminished to preserve the integrity of the empire, a sound, unimpaired, or perfect condition, the integrity of a ship's hull. I like that third one that refers to a ship's hull. Um, do you know what a ship's hull is? Well, I think Dave has another picture up here. Uh, I just copied and pasted these, but uh, hopefully you can read it. You have different parts of the ship. Well, the hull is clear at the bottom, it's kind of like the, the last ring, if you will. It's actually the part of the ship, and I'm not a ship person, that, but it's the part of the ship that contacts the water. And so if you have a problem with the hull of your ship, then you have a big problem. It's kind of like the foundation of a ship. Now, I like that term foundation as well, and that's why I used the object lesson I did with the kids. Um, integrity really is our foundation. Uh, it defines who we are. And we've been studying integrity, and this last Monday night we studied man up. And part of being a man of integrity is if you fall off the horse, you get back on the horse and you finish the job. If you fall in the hole, you pull the truck out and you finish the hole. <laughs> uh, you may not feel like it. You may feel like running home to mama. <laughs> And I felt that way a couple times, and I have a wonderful mama. Um, but uh, manning up means that you're a man of integrity. I, I like that. 
And I think that the integrity of eternity are those values, and that's an old term, by the way. Remember that word values? Uh, integrity of eternity are those things that we somewhere get along, get on, we get along the way, but we retain those clear through this life and on to the next. And I think that if you'll just visualize with me for a moment the presence of God. It's kind of hard. I know God's there. Pretty sure angels are, are there. I'm pretty sure it's bright. I was looking at some pictures this morning. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be gold. Uh, there's going to be other people. There's going to be white robes. Uh, you know, you use your imagination. I'll use mine. But just imagine yourself in the presence of God. All right? Uh, is that a happy time? <laughs> Is it, like Chris said, a box of chocolates? I thought that was really good, by the way. I was wondering, which one is Isaiah? Is he like dark chocolate? or <laughs> uh, He's quite a guy. But uh, anyway, I agree with that. Uh, maybe that's the way you feel about eternity. Maybe your, your idea of being in front of God's presence is like, oh, boy, it could be good, but it could be bad. I'm just, you know, not sure what's going to happen. Or maybe you don't want to talk about it. And there are probably a few of those like that in this room. Sometimes I'm all three. Sometimes I'm going, yay, you know, I'm going to be in God's presence. And uh, sometimes, especially after a worship time, and by the way, I feel like these worship times, it's like a little preview into what that's going to be like. And those, those goosebumps, we're going to have goosebumps on top of our goosebumps, if we can even have goosebumps. It's going to be exciting. But what I want you to do now is wherever you are in the presence of God, and uh, we'll be talking about that here in a little bit, but... I want you to reverse engineer. You know what that means? You go from the finished product backwards, okay? So what would be the next thing if you're going backwards? You have the presence of God, and then what? Death, right? <laughs> Probably. Unless, unless Jesus comes back, and I believe that there's an opportunity that I may not die. But let's just say death. All right, we go from the presence of God to death. The Bible says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So my belief is, is that as a Christian, I go from life to the presence of God. So if I go backwards, death. And what's after death? Or what, yeah, what's, af what's after death? Probably where I'm at now, or, you know, well, in my mind, I, this is what I had written down, a retirement. I hope that's not right before I die, but retirement, um, I have in there more grandkids. Um, my daughters are looking at me. I do have a son, by the way. He's not married yet, so we'll push that on to him. Uh, I like seven grandkids, but, you know, ten is a nice round number. Uh, two vans full. Um, but anyway, we finally get to the point where we're right here, right? Have the presence of God, boom, 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 reverse engineer to now. Now, I want you to think about this. Maybe you're uncomfortable with this here, all right? And that's okay, because I think we all are at times. <laughs> but what do you want this to look like? Years ago, I used to tell my kids, uh, make 2020 Julia happy. You know, it's 2010. How would 2010 Julia make 2020 Julia really happy, you know? Uh, and it's kind of like you'll, you'll be thanking yourself if you make wise choices, right? 
you know, don't borrow too much money, uh, definitely have more grandkids, you know, that kind of thing. But I just want you to think, what do you want this to look like? What do you want eternity to look like? Well, if you want to look like this, guess what? This has to be a certain way, right? Um, because the Bible says if you sow something, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow something good, you're going to reap good. If you sow something bad, you're going to, well, you're going to get bad. There are some questions that merit asking, and one of them is, where are you now? You've probably heard Lauren Daigle sing that song. She's actually, I think, talking about God. God, where are you now? My brother, my missionary brother and I have this inside joke. We sing, where are you now? He could be in Alabama or Florida or Arizona. And, and of course, I'm in Goodland, so he always knows where I'm at. Uh, but we kind of joke about, where are you now? Well, you could ask yourself, spiritually speaking, where am I now? In other words, does my situation, where I'm at spiritually, uh, convince me that I'm going to be in a good place in eternity? That's a valid question. Tony Evans likes to ask it this way, and it's kind of in reference to Adam in the garden. Where are you at? <laughs> he says, where are you at? And the concept is that there's a spiritual element there. Where are you at with God? Um, are you properly planning, preparing, and implementing for that eternal appointment? Are you, are you ready for parent-teacher meetings, uh, so to speak? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15 with me. And I think Dave's going to put it up here. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Uh, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than what already is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now, whenever the Bible talks about fire, it's often talking about judgment. Uh, we know that there is fire in hell. There is the eternal lake of fire, but also there is a purifying fire. There's a cleansing fire. And uh, this is where I'd like to introduce you to you the idea of the judgment seat of Christ. I believe that's what this passage is talking about, is the judgment seat of Christ, um, where there are two options. The first option is, is we're staying in the presence of God, and God will give us some measure of reward. And if you're putting, writing notes in your outline, that's number one. Some measure of reward. <laughs> In other words, yay, it's that whew, happy parent-teacher conference. Number two is standing in the presence of God uh, with nothing except heaven itself. Standing in the presence of God with nothing except heaven itself. And Paul says in the King James, this is just even as by fire. In other words, the fire burns every way, everything away and there's nothing except the foundation of Jesus Christ that you're standing on. <laughs> 
because Jesus is the foundation. If you have Jesus as your Savior, he's the foundation. Everything else may be burned up, but he's, because you're attached to him, that's what you get. And then, so I'm going to have Dave uh, show us a little video clip in case you think, I've never heard that before. This is Tony Evans talking about it. He actually preached a sermon on it, and this is his summary. Actually, it's the other one. I'm sorry, Dave. (laughs) That's all I can say. I'll go ahead and have you do the other one first. It's kind of, it looks the same, but two different judgments. Well, family, I hope you are uh, challenged, a little scared, but hopefully encouraged to make the rest of your life count for eternity because that judgment seat of Christ is coming up. Uh, And if you live in light of that day, today, and each day that follows, then we can can get that tape uh, built up strong enough where we don't lose our reward. I know I want that to be my goal, and I want that to be the goal of every member of the church. And that's why your small group is so important, to encourage each other to keep on going, even when you want to give up, because that day is real. And, uh, uh, you know, I I kind of compare it to a hockey game. I don't know that much about hockey, but I do know that there's a penalty box. A penalty box is when you've done something on the ice that's illegitimate and they take you out from participating. So you're put in this penalty for a certain period of time because you have committed an infraction. But at the judgment seat of Christ, when God looks at our lives and determines what the overall flow was, knowing that none of us is going to be perfect at that judgment seat, but you don't want to be put in the penalty box because then it's clear that you have done a major infraction. God, God is gracious and he, he wants to give us his reward, but we can get in the way of that by being faithless rather than faithful. And so I want to encourage all of us as a church, that's the job of the church, to encourage one another in light of that day so that we can stay stand individually and as a group praising God for how he He has rewarded us because we kept fighting back. Even when we failed, we got up. You know that song, we fall down, but we get up. Well, if you're down, don't stay down. Let's get up. And if you can't get up, have some folks close enough to help you up so you don't stay down. That's what the small groups are all about. That's what we want. The judgment seat of Christ. Every person will stand before it. No substitutes allowed. And you will be judged based on your faithfulness. And so time, treasure, talents, your deeds, your declarations, your desires, and your dependability. That's what God's gonna look at. You want gold, silver, and precious stones, not junk left behind. So you just get to heaven, but you don't get to get on the rides, okay? So encourage one another, go for it, and we're gonna experience what God has for us together as we learn prophecy. God bless you. talking about 1 Corinthians 13. I think he did a sermon on that. I encourage you to watch the sermon. That's just like a recap. And I had another one I was going to share, but just for the sake of time, I see time's moving quickly. Uh, The third form of judgment is the great white throne judgment, and he also talks about that. But that's the one you don't want to be at. (laughs) That's the one where uh, God judges and people are put in hell and the lake of fire Um, and that's for people who haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ as their savior and I'm going to presume that everybody here this morning uh, is going to be at one of those first two judgments Uh, 
either uh, the judgment seat of Christ A, which is you will get a measure of reward, uh, or B, you will be there and you will have no reward, but you will be there. And uh, that's something that uh, we all should hope for. The reason I brought up the ship's hull, and I forgot to mention this, is because integrity is so important to a ship. Um, I don't know, probably a month ago, maybe, I had Ben Carlson up on my roof, I don't know, three weeks. And uh, he told me one time when he was up there, he said, yeah, I found a soft spot uh, in the roof. Well, sometimes we think about integrity maybe as the integrity of a roof or a building, and that's kind of why I brought up building with the kids. Uh, a straw hut is not a, a house of integrity. <laughs> a stick house is not a house of integrity. A brick house is awesome, you know, a cement house. They are solid, and they're going to hold. And a ship is really important, or a ship's hold is really, hold is really important because when you're out there in the water, you can't just jump off, Right? That hull has to do its job. And so in my mind, I'm a landlubber, but in my mind, I'm thinking about these guys in New York City tapping on that hull while they're seeing if that ship's going to be seaworthy or have integrity. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing this morning. I want you to take a hammer and I want you to tap on the hull of your heart or the hull of your life. Where are you at? Where are you now? Where are we now? And the reason I bring this up is because uh, several weeks ago, I was driving around the school suburban. I do that a lot. I go from building to building to building. Uh, I'll be at West for a while in the morning, and then I'll get a text from the high school. It seems like I get lots of uh, service calls from over there. I'll drive over to the high school, and I'll meet with somebody in the cafeteria. The next thing I know, somebody needs their phone to work over at North, so I'll drive over to North. I, I, t I probably spend about a tank of gas every month in the suburban. <laughs> so 30, 38 gallons, 35 gallons, something like that. So I do a lot of driving. And I don't mind. That's, that's my job. If, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be paid. So I'm okay with that. But anyway, I'm driving around and all of a sudden I have this feeling of, man, this feels so temporary. Have you ever had that feeling? Not like a worthless feeling because I know what I'm doing is important. You know, I'm seeing people. I'm trying to minister to them even though I'm a tech guy. Um, I've had many comments from people, yeah, my daughter really liked to see you. You know, it kind of brightened her day. And, and that's what I hope to do, especially with our church kids. Uh, I want them to know that there's somebody who loves God that is there. And sometimes when school's going kind of hard, you know, even the teachers, you know, I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to be positive. And we have some really positive people in our district. But I want to do that everywhere. But I was driving the school suburban. I'm, I think I was driving over to West and I was going to go help somebody that I knew was a believer. And I thought to myself, I, I'm kind of sad because I'm going to help them with their laptop. And at the moment, it just seems so temporary. It's like, where's that laptop going to be over there? Now I realize that, you know, God gives us resources, like Tony Evans said, or time, treasure, talents, and all that. But just for a, a brief moment, it's like, the weight of eternity descended on me, and I just felt like everything I was doing was not worth doing. Have you ever had that feeling? Anybody? And like I said, you know, I know all these things are important, but I think it was like the Holy Spirit was telling me, uh, you need to always be checking in with me. You need to always be focusing on eternity. You need to always be asking that question, what is your house made of? 
What is your house made of? What is the whole of your ship made out of? Um, and I think that that's something we as Christians need to be asking every day. Um, well, as I was processing this, I'm thinking, okay, what is it that I'm expecting? So I go back over here. What do I want that to look like, okay? Because I do feel a little off over here. I do feel a little like, I sh you know, the unprepared parent who goes to the, you know, to parent-teacher thing, and I, I didn't read to my kids enough, or, you know, I let them have too much tablet time, you know. It's like, this is where you, the rubber meets the road. You know, what do I want this to look like? Well, to be honest with you, I'd like to have some rewards, right? Because it's a reward ceremony. I don't want to have nothing when I'm here. You know, I don't want to just make it by fire. I don't want to be ashamed, really. Well, what are some rewards? And um, I don't have these so where you can look at I'm just going to read some of these. Matthew 6 talks a lot about rewards. Jesus does. I'm just going to read a couple of examples of rewards. And I think as soon as I do, you'll get it. This is Matthew 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Take heed that you do not give your alms or tithes before men. To be seen of them, otherwise you will have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Oh, okay. In other words, no showboating. <laughs> when it comes to giving our offering. Uh, they had this thing, and Jesus talked about it. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. I forget which hand it is. probably depends on if you're left or right-handed. But the idea was is that back in Jesus' time, when people gave offerings in the temple, they would pull the big old bag of gold out with this hand, at least that's how I visualize it, big old gold out of this hand, reach over with this hand, and then, look everybody, look at it, plop, you know. That's kind of what I visualize. Uh, I'm kind of embarrassed even just talking about that. I, I wouldn't do that, but I guess that's what Jesus is talking about here in uh, verse 1 of chapter 6 in Matthew. If you do that, then there's no reward over here. Your reward is here, you know, the the showing off, the, ooh, he's got money, or she's got money, that's your reward, and so you're not going to get it over here. Um, in verse 6, it says, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And that's talking about this time over here, I believe, where if we pray in private, nobody knows how long we pray, nobody knows how we pray or who we pray for. It's between us and God. We're not staying on a street corner saying, hey, look at me, I'm spiritual. But, we're, but when we get to this point, God's going to reward us openly. So is it starting to make sense, you know, what these rewards are? It's not like, you know, I, I, I clothed 100 people or I went down and volunteered at the thrift store or, you know. I mean, there's an element of that. But really, it seems like it's our attitude. Um, again, we're not going to, turn there, but in Matthew 25, I want to read some verses to you. Uh, this does talk about clothes and food and things like that, but I want you to notice the attitude of the people. Um, it says, then the king will say to those on his right, this is Matthew 25, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. So here's the reward over there. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. By the way, those rewards, they've, they're already planned. They're already, I think they're already there. They're just waiting for us. Um, and this is what Jesus says. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, I want you to notice the attitude of the righteous. This is the next verse. Then the righteous will look at him or answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? In other words, I don't remember seeing you and feeding you. And this is what Jesus says. Well, when you do that to the least of these. In other words, he's talking about the people that most people don't associate with. Uh, I remember years ago, my wife and another couple, we would go to the Union Rescue Mission in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, just a tremendous amount of humanity in need. And the Union Rescue Mission is awesome. They feed the guys. They, they have clothes. They give them a bed at night. And they have church, and they have to sit through church to get all that stuff. Now, one of the, in fact, at one time, the chairman of the board of the Union Rescue Mission was also an elder in my church when we lived in Peabody. His name is Gilbert. Uh, he's a great guy. Gilbert's one of those guys he never talks about. He never talked about what he did and his accomplishments. He's a very humble man. You wouldn't know that he owned his own business. He was financially, you know, wealthy, if you will. Uh, if you looked at him, he'd just be a normal guy. And whenever I think about these people who say, well, I don't remember doing that, I think about Gilbert. Um, Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And we will get reward for what we do. But it, it's like, it's got to be so anonymous that we don't even know. In other words, it's just part of who we are. It's part of our spiritual DNA. And you say, well, how does a person do that? Well, it's a good thing you asked that question. And again, we're not going to put it up on the screen, but in Matthew 19, Jesus entertained a rich young ruler who had done a lot of good things. And I'm just going to read this. I'm, for some reason, I think it's going to be up there, but it's not. That's okay. Verse uh, 16 says, Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that may, I may have eternal life? And really, they're talking about eternal life, but I think this guy already had eternal life. He was a good Jew, and that's what God expected at that time before Jesus came. Uh, my thought is, is that he probably found Christ after Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He said, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus said, well, do the Ten Commandments. You know, we covered that a few weeks ago. And he said, okay, I've done that. What else is there? Uh, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. Hmm, that sounds familiar. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I think about this a lot. And the reason I think about it is, is because I'm not a rich young ruler. <laughs> but I do have resources. I have time. I have abilities. Um, I still have, in my opinion, probably a few more days, months, weeks, and years. Am I using that for the glory of God, or am I doing something else? In other words, am I taking care of the whole of my boat? Where, where am I in my life? And to be honest with you, even a person that has served the Lord for a long time, uh, grew up in a Christian home, and we served the Lord for a long time. My grandparents, we lived, if, lived with, they were godly Christians, loved the Lord. A lot of times I still feel like there's something missing. And, and so I wrote this down, and I said, what if I had a million dollars? 
and money was no option, would I become a missionary and go do something special for God? Uh, probably not. <laughs> you know, I think that money probably is more of a taskmaster than anything else. But it's just the thought, what would I do if I could do anything? Would I still do what I'm doing now? Because I feel like the rich young ruler, I said, well, I can't do that. I've got a village that back at home, I've got 200 people that count on me to do my thing in order for me to, in order for them to live. You know, I can't do that, Lord. I've got a wife and family and uh, people who are counting on me to do things for them, you know. And it's like I keep putting it off and putting it off and putting off this over here. Uh, can anybody relate to that with me? Um, see that hand. And so in my mind, this is what I answer is, that's what we always hear, right? Uh, can't do that. Either we're saying that to ourselves, can't do that, don't have the money, don't have the time, don't have the resources. Let me ask you a question. This is what I say, say to myself. Does God have the money? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, will God clear our schedule? <laughs> he most certainly will. Uh, anything that we need is our disposal if we are planning for eternity. And so if God tells you, and this sounds really radical, but if God tells you to quit your job and become a missionary and count on somebody else helping you with that, then that's what you should do. And I say to myself, probably the same thing you're thinking right now, can't be done. Can't be done. And I thought it was interesting in... Uh, Tony Evans, that, that uh, recap, he used the word faithless. And I think that is really the key. Integrity is being faithful. Integrity is God opening a door and we walk through. Not run the other way like Jonah did. <laughs> uh, integrity is making sure our house is made to withstand eternity, not just a shell of wood or straw, but on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to close with a country song, uh, Kenny Chesney, Build a Better Boat. Have you heard that? But I want to kind of spiritualize that song because in the boat song, he's talking about trials and he's talking about becoming a better person because of trials. And I think there already is a bit of a spiritual element. But I want you to think about the boat of your life and that God uses those trials not to help you become financially solvent, but to prepare you for this moment when you stand in his presence for real. Um, things are going to have to be different. Things are going to have to change. Um, making eternity your focus instead of, if you're like me, coffee or the next meal, <laughs> or trying not to you know, run into a hole. And I think that, and he kind of points this out in the song, once you get to that point, you want to associate with people who have the same heart, all right? You don't, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to them, but you need to find people that have the same values that you have, the same integrity that you have. And that's why I appreciate our men's group so much. Uh, I don't know what you think we do, but we talk a lot about being, being uh, kingdom men, being godly. You know, we sit up here in this corner a lot. And for two and a half, three hours, man, we're just hashing that out. What does that look like? 
And God has used that time to just grow me in areas that, man, I wouldn't have been if it wouldn't have been for that group. And it's interesting that Tony Evans talks about small groups. Kenny Chesney talks about other people coming into your life to help you become a better boat, if you will. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll finish out with Kenny Chesney, and we'll be done. All right? Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our lives. And I just trust that everyone in this room has said yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, maybe we look at our being in your presence someday eternally, kind of like what Chris said, a box of chocolates. We're, we're not sure what's going to happen. Well, Lord, first of all, I just pray that we care. I pray that, that we think about it, not necessarily worry about it, Lord, but we're motivated. We have a passion for eternity. And Lord, to associate ourselves with people who have like passion. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful group of people and for... Uh, the many times I've been blessed. Thank you, Lord, for our worship team. and Thank you for Jordan and his family. And thank you, Lord, that you've loaned him to us for a time. But Lord, I pray that as we listen to this song that we'll think about that eternal ship that will sail us into eternity. Lord, I too pray for the Chaffins. I pray for Paul and his family, for uh, Travis and Melanie, and pray for Cynthia and Mark and their families, Lord, and just the devastation they feel and I pray for the day's family as they mourn the loss of Bob and I just pray that Lord will realize that uh, eternity may be pretty close for us as well and if there's someone in this room that is uncertain that they will find hope that they'll find help through someone else in this room I just pray this in Jesus name amen